Welcome to this BJSM podcast. I'm particularly delighted to speak with Irene Davis, who's known to pretty much everyone in the field of sports physiotherapy, running biomechanics, sports medicine. She's a regular keynote at major national conferences. She's done a tremendous contribution to the field in patellofemoral pain, running biomechanics. And we're going to chat on this particular podcast about the foot, her concept of the foot core, and factors related to running today. Thanks for being on the call, Irene. Thanks, Karim. It's great to be here. So just give the listener the background on how did you think of this idea of the foot core that motivated you to write a paper about it for BJSM? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. We as physical therapists have been focusing a lot of our attention on the lumbopelvic core and how important it is to lower extremity stability. And we know that if your core is not stable, then the function of your lower extremities can often be abnormal. Um, and the cores of the lumbopelvic core is made up of um, some deep, small muscles um, with small cross-sectional areas and small moment arms, and they're basically stabilizers. And I started thinking about the foot and how you know the the arch is so important to the stability of the foot. And we, when um, the my co-authors and I started to talk about this, we said, you know, really is like the lumbopelvic core in that there are these small muscles with short moment arms that are stabilizers. These are our foot intrinsics. Um, and that if that arch does not remain stable, then the whole foot functions abnormally. So there seemed to be a very natural extension of the lumbopelvic core to the foot. And what are the clinical scenarios that made you think of that? Well, um, for example, if you have someone that uh, is pronating, you know, uh, long and excessive into the gait cycle. So, um, you know, if they're walking or running and you see that you know, you're supposed to land in some inversion and then you evert and the foot rolls in and then towards the end of gait you roll out again and push off. And by rolling back out again, it helps the foot to be a little bit more of a rigid lever for push off. But we see people who have unstable arches and what happens happens is they land on the outside of their heel, they roll in like they're supposed to, but they continue to roll in, they push off in pronation. And so that arch has not done its job and the foot no longer pushes off as a rigid lever. And so, you know, the load goes other places because you lost that stability there at the foot. And where does the load go? Well, the glow can go lots of places, uh, you know, depending on the person. So in some cases, um, people will have problems at the medial foot. So it might be the arch musculature may just really get excessively loaded. The posterior tip can get excessively loaded. Um, you can, because when that foot rolls in, the knee dives medially as well. And so you can end up with knee problems because of the connection between the foot, the knee, and the hip. We often think about the hip being related to the knee, but it is a closed kinetic chain, and motion at one joint in a closed kinetic chain will affect motion at other joints within that closed kinetic chain. And so that takes will take some listeners to thinking about orthotics before we get back into the foot core. So if I said, well, can't we just fix that with orthotics and maybe stable running shoes, what do you say? Well, I would say that orthotics, uh, one of the things that's very clear from orthotic research is that it reduces pain. 
So if you take a painful um, area and you support it and to remove the load from it, it will feel better. The problem that I see with chronic use of orthotics in people who have musculoskeletal problems, so I'm not talking about someone who's had a stroke or someone who's got cerebral palsy, but someone who's got an intact neuromuscular system and has an overuse injury, when you put them into a situation of chronic support, you're going to get deconditioning of those muscles. It's just the natural sequelae of giving someone chronic support. It would be very much like putting a neck brace on someone after a neck injury and keeping it on there. I mean, the minute you took that brace off, they wouldn't be able to hold their head up. So that is my problem with using orthotics for the long term. I think that if you want to support something, for example, if you've got plantar fasciitis, you may need to give it some support because the the foot can't tolerate the loads when it's uh, in an acute phase. But then as it as time goes on and as it starts to calm down, you want to strengthen the arch musculature. It's interesting. We have an article in our own journal of physical therapy that talks about treatment of plantar fasciitis and not once does it mention strengthening the foot. And when you think about plantar fasciitis, um, it basically, you've got the four layers of arch musculature that helps to control the deflection, both the amount of deflection and the velocity of deflection of the arch downward. And the, the last final um, piece of defense there is your plantar fascia. And so if the intrinsic musculature doesn't control that well, then you end up putting a real strain on the plantar fascia. And it's not surprising that plantar fasciitis is the most common overuse injury of the foot because I think that we have chronically deconditioned our feet, either with orthotics or with highly supportive shoes. So let's take that case, say a 45-year-old with runner, recreational runner with plantar fasciitis. Do you want to use that as a model to walk us through your foot core approach? Sure. So um, if, if someone comes into us with chronic plantar fasciitis, and many of the people who do have already been prescribed orthotics, um, so the first thing that we would do is, as long as they were willing, um, and most people are, especially if they've got a chronic condition, they're willing to try something different, because it seems counterintuitive to remove an orthotic from someone who has plantar fasciitis and has some pain. But what we would do is we would, in the clinic, start to teach them some exercises that would engage their intrinsics. Um, And I'm talking about exercises like the towel curls, which gets gets the long and short toe flexors. We do AB and adduction of the toes um, to get the interossei because they're also very important. And you can do that by even just manually with your hands, resisting the toes into abduction and adduction. And then we have an exercise that um, uh, most people do know about this exercise. It's called the short foot exercise, or it's called doming. And it's described in this um, foot core article that was published in BJSM just recently. But basically what you do is you have the individual stand in bare feet, and you have them press their toes down into the floor, not, not really curl them hard, but press downward. And then they use their arch musculature and I think also their posterior tip to try to raise that arch. And they hold that for five seconds, and then they relax. And they do that, you know, for a number of sets. Um, we ask them to do that during the day when they're standing, when they're in the line for, for the grocery store. You know, anytime they can co- incorporate doming into their activities of daily living, it's going to help to strengthen those muscles. 
during that period of time, we start to wean the person out of the orthotics. And the way that we wean them out is really very similar to the way we wean them in. Um, so basically we say, take them out for a short period of time in the morning, bring an extra pair of insoles that you can throw into your shoes, um, and then uh, try it a little bit in the middle of the day, a little in the afternoon. And if that does okay, then increase the time in the morning and just slowly start to increase the time that you're going without the orthotics. Um, you Obviously, if you're you're using orthotics to run, you don't want to take them out and just run. Um, so you want to take them out slowly. So we just wean them out of the orthotics as we are strengthening their feet. And we actually don't allow people to go back to running until they can actually go through a progression of exercises with a good domed foot. What I mean by that is we will start with that static doming and then we'll progress to doming and hopping on two feet. So they're just doing little hops, little pop-ups and holding that dome and we'll, we'll videotape them and show it to them back in slow motion so they can see what their foot is doing. And then we'll progress to hopping on one foot. And then we'll put a square out on the on the floor and we'll have them hop forward, side, diagonally. We'll do that with two feet and then we'll progress to one foot. And as they get better with that, we'll start some box jumps, some short box jumps and go, you know, up two, four, six. And once we get them to the point where they're able to do and all those activities with good core stability of their foot, then and only then do we get them up on the treadmill and start them running. So that's kind of the progression that we go through in, in terms of, of plantar fasciitis. And hopefully they'll calm down, and as the muscles get stronger, they're going to start activating and reducing the load on the plantar fascia. What sort of time frame does that take? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, it depends on the person. So if you've got someone who um, is really, really weak, it could take four weeks. If you've got someone who's not so weak but just isn't really activating the muscles, sometimes it's a matter of just teaching them to activate. Um, so in terms of the strengthening phase of this is what I'm talking about. You know, research shows that it takes about six weeks for true physiological strengthening to occur. But, you know, we have seen gains in dynamometer strength, not necessarily the foot, but of the hip, uh, after two weeks of gait retraining where we've done no strengthening at all and we've done the manual the, the uh, dynamometer test pre and post and so it's clear in those cases that they're not getting physiological strength in two weeks but they're learning to activate what they do have so i think there's a combination of both of those things that that come into play but if you've got i also think the chronicity of the problem can um, play a role in how long it takes for someone to come back and Irene, those exercises aren't easy. Um, are there you know, tricks, um, things that the clinician should watch out for that a patient may be doing wrong when they're trying to learn to dome and do those exercises? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so there are a couple of things that I think people sometimes do that you can really watch out for. And one of them is that they curl their toes too much. Um, now, this is not meant to be a long toe flexor exercise. The towel curls, certainly we like to strengthen those, but we're trying to really focus on the intrinsic muscles of the arch and your posterior tip. So trying to get the person to maintain contact with the ground with all of the, the uh, sort of distal pads of their toes so that they're not curling them in on the very distal end of their toes and so that they really are kind of just pressing downward 
and then using those muscles to lift that arch up and out. The other thing that you want to watch for is that they're not just simply rolling on the outside of their foot because you could certainly do that. Um, and, and you want to make sure that, again, that all five toes are staying down so you don't want the big toe to come up off the ground. The other thing that you can look for is the anterior tib tendon sort of becoming prominent. So one of the ways, because the anterior tib is also an inverter, sometimes the anterior tib will really become very active and you'll see it. And I've seen people who do it on one side and not the other. It's interesting. So it really becomes very obvious. So you want them to kind of quiet the anterior tip because we're really trying to use the posterior tip and the arch musculature to control that arch. So those are some things that the clinician can watch for when they're having the patient do a simple exercise like doming. And Irene, as we're coming towards the end of this podcast, um, what about other conditions? So we talked about plantar fasciitis. Are there other conditions that clinicians should think about this principle yeah, I think so. I mean, when you think about runners, the the most common area to be injured is the knee, and all of the research has shown that. And patellofemoral pain is one of the most common injuries that runners sustain. So, you know, people, we are very much onto the hip with patellofemoral pain. Um, and I think part of the reason why we don't really address patellofemoral pain from the foot side is there's not a lot of good evidence that links foot pronation with patellofemoral pain. But I believe that that is because the studies that have been done to date have looked at the calcaneus and rear foot pronation and patellofemoral pain. And I really believe that more of the pronation that we have to worry about is pronation that happens in the midfoot. It's the collapsing of the arch. Um, it's the talo. There is twice as much talonavicular motion as compared to um, subtalar joint motion when you roll the foot inward. So that's where more of the pronation occurs. We cannot measure that very well with motion analysis, so we don't have good data on that. I would argue that if once we're able to measure that well, and there are ways of doing it with biplanar videography, I think we might start to see a relationship between this um, foot pronation and patellofemoral pain. But from a mechanic standpoint, our approach, one of our approaches to patellofemoral pain, include, uh, along with retraining the hip and making sure you don't have excessive hip adduction and internal rotation, is to get people off of their heels and to have a shorter stride. Um, and the reason for that is, if you think about it, when you get off of your heels, and just it's really a, almost a horizontal foot strike with the heel just slightly up. When you get off your heels, the rate of loading of the vertical ground reaction force, so your body gets loaded at a certain rate, is much higher when you hit your heels than when you don't hit your heels. So the force goes up very quickly. So if you land on the ball of your foot, your foot, your force goes up much slower. And so at the same point in time, like early in the stance, you've got a lower force when you're landing on the ball of your foot and landing with your heel slightly up. Now, along with that is that when you land on the ball of your foot, you shorten your stride. When you shorten your stride, your knee goes into more flexion. When your knee goes into more flexion, the patella moves down and becomes more congruent with the femur. It moves down into the femoral groove. So you have a greater surface area. So if you combine the two factors, you have a lower force because you're landing on the ball of your foot. You have a larger surface area of the patella because you've got a shorter stride and more knee flexion. That adds up to a much lower 
patellofemoral contact stress. And there's a paper by Bonacci, I think 2013, in which he describes a model of this. Um, interestingly, there was a, a survey done by Jay Dashari that, um, and, and his group that's going to be published in the Journal of Health and Sports Science in a couple of months. I think it might even be out online. Um, and basically, it was a survey to people who had transitioned to barefoot running, and they asked the question, um, what injury that you used to have has gone away? And, and the injury that was most prominent that, had, that they used to have that has now gone away since they've transitioned were knee injuries. So when we shorten our stride, we also reduce the overall load at the knee. So I honestly think that this sort of new trend towards, and I think it's not a new trend, I think we're returning to the way we're supposed to run, but moving off of our heels, and in order to do that, you obviously have to get have strong feet, which kind of ties into the core, but I think it's going to have a very big impact on knee injuries, which are very prominent in runners. And of course, we're talking about the foot core, as listeners will follow, so this new concept of the foot core. And what about shin pain, Irene? Uh, yes. Um, so there's a study was conducted recently out of West Point, and it was 10 runners who had uh, anterior compartment syndrome, which is an anterior lower leg pain um, that is often associated with heavy heel striking because you're pulling your foot up and you're really activating your dorsiflexors and they become, you know, overactive and then they become hypertrophied and then the pressures increase. They took these 10 runners who had high intracompartmental pressures and they converted them and transitioned them to off of their heels, so their mild forefoot strike, strikers, over the course of I, 6 to 12 weeks. I'm not sure exactly. And uh, they looked at the pressures following that transition, and they were normal, which is pretty amazing. And not one of the 10 had to undergo the, uh, the fasciotomy, which they all were scheduled to have. Um, and to the best thing for them was the fact that they were able to return to the previous level of running without pain. So I do think that getting off your heels and getting onto more of the ball of the foot, it re redistributes the load from the anterior tib to the calf. We have a much larger calf than we do an anterior tib, and I think that was by design. Thanks, Orient. You've made a compelling case there for clinicians to think about this. Um, what about, do you need any special equipment for this sort of service? Do you use, you mentioned uh, videography, what about a regular clinician and regular clinic? What sort of equipment do you think they need? I honestly don't think that you need anything really um, expensive or technical. Um, having a mirror, uh, if you're looking at um, sort of frontal and transverse plane deviations is helpful. So having someone run in front of a mirror. Um, having a treadmill and a video camera is critical. Uh, I think giving people that feedback um, and being able for them to be able to see what their body's doing in slow motion is really important. You don't need a lot of equipment for the strengthening that I talked about. I mean, just, you know, even having some bands and some, some um, boxes to do some jumps and uh, so I, all of this can be done very easily within the clinical context. The biplanar videography that I mentioned was really a more of a scientific research way of looking at how the 26 bones of the foot actually do move because we cannot put markers, external markers on them and be able to measure them in a standard motion analysis lab. But I'm hoping that that kind of data is going to help to inform clinical practice. 
I mean, our listeners are heading into work. We've got the 20 minutes for the podcast. What's your 30-second take-home summary? So what I hope that the listeners will take from this is to pay more attention to the foot. We don't see people at the gym strengthening their feet. Um, I think that we should, as clinicians, be be uh, treating our patients barefoot because you get the most sensory input. We need to pay attention to the core musculature of the arch to provide the best stability of the foot. The foot is a very important part of the gait cycle. And I hope that um, our readers, our, our listeners will actually start to focus more on the foot as they treat patients with gait-related problems. Thanks, Irene. You've been listening to Professor Irene Davis, who's a professor in uh, physical medicine and, and rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School. And she's also the director of the Spalding Running Clinic at uh, Harvard Medical School as well. Thanks so much for listening to this BJSM podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BJSM underscore BMJ for regular updates and have an active day. Thanks a lot. <laughs>